Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest. Hey, I'm going to be reading the book of in the book of Acts. We went through uh, five weeks of the book of James, and I love going um, through through a book together. I hope you're encouraged by that. We have that all up on the podcast now. Uh, but today, I, I just was praying about what God wanted to speak to his church and to his people. And by the way, I love church, like, so much. I love coming together because as I look across, th- there's so many backgrounds and perspectives and opinions and, and so many people that come from different ethnicities. And, you know, I'm just, I'm reminded that there's, there's one thing that keeps us in common today, and it's, it's Jesus. Maybe other things, like... You know, I love the Lakers, so if you're a Laker fan, well, you know, then we have connection there. Not much of a Dodger fan, but we have a connection here, and it's through Jesus, and that's a good thing. It's a powerful thing, and, you know, I've been processing what God wants to speak to our church, and I've been thinking about my own life and about people's lives here that I've been able to walk with, and and those that have come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, as an apprentice, as as a student and as a disciple of Jesus, and, and I had this thought that it's, it's very new and it's very fresh, especially when we come into, like, knowing Jesus. Sometimes if we've never been to church, everything is new. Everything we have something to learn and process and deal with. And, you know, I, I think back to this powerful story and this man named Paul, the apostle. Many of us have heard of him. He wrote, like, two-thirds of the New Testament, and so... I want to take you through his powerful story of how church language would say, theologians would say, a a radical conversion. And that conversion just simply meaning I I was here in in one mindset and God did something and transformed me radically overnight or in a day. And it was just like, I am a fully changed man. So we find ourselves in the book of Acts, and I'm going to read this. It's a couple of verses, but... Come with me to this story. I love the book of Acts because it's all historical in connection. If you look at the history of the book of Acts, Luke, as he writes this letter, he's a a historian. He knows what he's doing. And so you can look at all the different, the Roman Empire and the things that are going on with different stuff going on outside of the church or of Jerusalem. And he's pointing back. Historians can look to this and say, wow, there's all these connections. And then, really, it's the history not just of the world or of a story. It's the history of a people, of us as followers of Jesus. And so we find ourselves with Saul. It says this in verse 9 of Acts. Acts chapter 9, verse 9 says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and he, he asked him, for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that he found, if he found any who belonged to the way, that was the way of Jesus. There, there wasn't a Christian yet. It was just the way. Whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul replied. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up, go to the city, and you will be told what you must do, which is for Saul, he's like, 
I tell myself what to do. I have it my own way. I do it how I like. And now Jesus flips it and he says, no, you must become weak. You must go to the city, be told what to do, listen to me, be led by someone. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless there. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him to the, by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come up and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias said, like, are you sure? I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, brother using the language of, uh, and we're in community now. The same man that wanted to kill Ananias, now he's saying, brother. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road when you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and he was baptized and after taking some food, he regained strength. The title of this talk, a long story, a narrative in the book of Acts, I, I've titled A New Way and A New Look. A new way and a new look. I don't know if you noticed, but there was this, this verse 18. It says, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. But this time he saw a little differently. You know, many of us today, we care so much. And it doesn't matter. That, that, your age doesn't matter on this one, but we care a lot about what people think or perceive of us in our image. Right? And many of us, it doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus, maybe you've come to a point and you're in your 60s and you're still struggling with this. Like, what do people think of me? Do I look good? Do I look fit? Did I do my hair right? Is my makeup good? And you might be in your 60s and 70s still thinking that, and, and it's still the same when you're 15, 16 years old, you really care. Maybe there's some of us that we've come to this point in our life where we could just care less what people think of us externally. Well, I don't know if you know this about the character of God, but he doesn't really care what you look like externally. He cares much more about what's going on internally. He cares about everything that is deep inside, and what he will do is he'll give you a new eyesight, not so much physical, but he'll give you a new eyesight to see a new perspective and a new people and a new place and a new calling. You see, the backstory of this of the story of Saul, it's, it's quite interesting. Saul... If you were to go to chapter 7 of the book of Acts, Jesus has ascended to heaven. And he was preaching and teaching. And we know the story of Jesus, right? He was healing people. He was casting out demons. He was saying, go, your sins are forgiven. And to the religious elite, to the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you did not do that and claim to be God. That's what Jesus was doing. And so eventually they got him killed, the Jews, the religious elite. 
And then their worst nightmare happened. Jesus comes back. He's appearing and reappearing, and he's encouraging his disciples like Thomas, saying, don't, don't doubt, Thomas. It's all right. Look and see my wounds. I am here, and I have a plan for the future and a new kingdom that will come. And they weren't yet getting it still. And then he says, wait for me. I'm going to leave with you a helper, the Holy Spirit. And so then we see in the book of Acts, God moves in a powerful way. And people are speaking in tongues. And it doesn't make sense. Not just those from Jerusalem or Galilee, but those in Rome and from Turkey and Mesopotamia and Saudi Arabia. All over the place. And it's like the Spirit of God is not just moving on the Jews anymore. What is going on? And then... Saul gets really frustrated. He goes and he becomes an evangelist, not for Christ, but for the Jews. And he goes and he starts knocking on doors and he says, do you believe in the way? Because, you see, they were starting to have Bible studies. The church developed out of this massive persecution. But what one particular person was persecuted that Saul's blood he had on, on his hands. And his name was Stephen. In Acts chapter 7, you ought to read it yourself. Stephen is put to the test. And they're about to put him on trial the same way they kind of did with Jesus. And Stephen just says, you know what, you can do whatever you want to me, but let me explain to you all of where Jesus was in the beginning of time with Abraham and with Moses and with Elijah. And so he starts recounting because he knows the Old Testament. Young Jewish boys would have to learn like the first five books of the Bible by heart, by the way. They knew their Bible, and Stephen is reciting this, and as he's doing it, he's recollecting about Jesus and how he is the Messiah, and these Pharisees, the same one, the Sanhedrin, the same people that killed Jesus said, this is enough. And what they would do is, like, I get ready to play basketball, and I have my jacket on, I take it off, you know, and I get ready to, like, shoot, you like, kind of the, the flex look. You know, if, if, if it's hard to, like, shoot a basketball or throw a ball when you have, like, a jacket on, right? So what they did is they started taking their jackets off, not to shoot a basketball or throw a ball, but to throw rocks. And the scripture says that they dropped it at a young man named Saul to his feet. And that's, that's important because this young man had some type of eliteness. He had some type of, of image. He was, he was known as one that was uh, uh, incredibly zealous towards Yahweh. And so they dropped their coats at the foot of a young man named Saul, and they began to throw stones at Stephen. And as they were throwing stones to kill him, he said the same words Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what you're doing. Imagine, like, seeing that for a second, by the way. Imagine if you were a follower of the way, noticing that this man, Stephen, just recounting that Jesus is the Messiah, is now being killed. And, and you know what's crazy is, like, that's going on today, Right? We hear whispers and we don't know full stories, but surely that's happening in Afghanistan to the, the underground church. And so what happened is these Christians are followers of the way. They begin to scatter and run as far as they can. And Saul started going on an evangelist tour, not for the way, but for his way. And he started knocking, are you of the way? And then he would take them and he would put them in prison. So they caught word of this and they ran out to all the outer parts of the region. One in particular was Damascus. And then Saul goes and he gets confirmation and approval to go to Damascus from Jerusalem. And that route, by the way, is 140 miles. On foot, it takes a whole week. And so for you, where do you find yourself in this story, right? The reason why I love the book of Acts is because we can put ourselves in a narrative form. 
And I don't know where you're at in the journey, but many of us, all of us are on a journey, aren't we? We're like going somewhere. We don't really know some of us where we're going. But we're going somewhere. And we go throughout life and we want to have a career, we want to have children, we want to get married, and, and then we want to get to the next level, and we're going in, in, in route and in journey, and as we go through that journey, God, if we allow him, he's doing something in our life, and I've known this about Jesus, even if we don't fully believe in him, he's still doing a great work in us, and he's actually doing that to this Saul of Tarsus, because Saul, in order to get to Damascus, he had to go through Galilee, I, I can only, we, we can only recollect and wonder, what was it that Saul thought about when he went through the region of Galilee, the, the region that Jesus did his most work? What was it when he went through Galilee as he was thinking about the cry and the scream of Stephen as they martyred him with rocks? There was something that Jesus was doing deep within him as he thought, am, am I a killer? Is this, is this man really the way? Because I haven't had encounter with him. And I know of the Old Testament and I know of the scriptures and, and Saul was just incredibly zealous to know that this is not the truth and the way of Judaism is the truth. And so he entered Damascus and after he descended from Mount Hermon, by the way, I've been there, which is crazy. You can kind of see the road to Damascus, but before you get to Damascus, you have to go over a mountain, Mount Hermon. And what happened was that is as you ascended up Mount Hermon, and then you started to descend, there's a plane that goes really straight for miles on end. And you can see it, a small little speck of the road in the city, Damascus. You can see it from, from eye's length, but it's far away and it's just a straight path. I found this interesting as, as archaeologists and theologians had studied this passage of scripture, that that region had a particular characteristic phenomenon. When the hot air of the plane met the cold air of the mountain range, violent electrical storms resulted, by the way. Isn't that crazy? So just as that moment came, a bright lightning storm, the scripture says, a bright light overcomes Saul. And who knows, maybe he was going and he was descending from Mount Hermon and he was going, he was processing and he was thinking. And all of a sudden this violent storm takes place. And I often think of my own life or your life because we know story and community here. Isn't there not storms that come in our life? And it's often the storm that sometimes God is in. Have you noticed that? It's often the storm that God uses. And so for this story of Saul, as he goes through this route, he's hit by this lightning and, and this light. And the light was so bright he couldn't fully see. And then he, he heard a voice said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And this one hits home because, you see, there's an invitation of all Christianity and what the, re, the, the risen Christ said to, to Paul, and, and this is what he said. He said, go into the city, you will be told what to do, and then he says, you will be led by someone else. And I don't know if this, 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 this bothers some of us because this is true discipleship with Jesus, but this is the story of the gospel. You see, up until this moment, Paul had been doing what he liked, what he thought was best. What his will dictated. From this time forward, he would be told what to do from Christ. And that really is, is, is the, it's the tension of humanity, isn't it? That we want to do and live our life how we want to. I'm going to do it my way and no one else, like Frank Sinatra, right? I did it my way. 
And no one else told me what to do and how to do it. I did every decision how I wanted to do it. And yet we look at the invitation of Jesus and he says, no, 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 give that up. Because I have better plans for you. I have a better purpose for you. The hard invitation of Jesus is found within a surrendered people. And I think we get this one off many times. But I have to be honest with you. It can't just feel good and sound good and make us feel bubbly. The true invitation of Jesus is a life of surrender. You see, followers of Jesus, of men and women alike, who have ceased to do what they want to do, and they have begun to do what Christ wants them to do. This isn't a radical career shift. This isn't getting a divorce. We know that that's not. This isn't not spending time with your children so you could do minutes. This is none of that. This is recalibrating your soul to the creator of the universe and allowing him to encourage you and to work on you and to call you to more and to call you to better all for his likeness as we be transformed in him. And by the way, the byproduct of that is an incredible, healthy follower of Jesus that loves people. Did you know that? I, I don't know if you knew that. It took me a really long time to figure that part out. That the byproduct of discipleship with Jesus is a true sense of love towards one another. Not compromised love. Not love that allows others to do and you just kind of, but it's just like, I love you for who you are because Jesus loves me for who I am. But you're on a journey just like I am and God wants to do something in your life. But the ultimate result of fellowship with Jesus is it's love. Then Paul accepts the call. He accepts the mission. He accepts the life that Jesus is inviting him into. And as Paul grows in Christ, we see a massive change in him. This is his conversion story. Here are some new attitudes that emerges in his life as we follow him throughout the book of Acts. And then he wrote the, a good majority of the epistles and of the letters to the churches in the New Testament. There is a new attitude towards other believers, if you're taking notes. The next is a new attitude towards the truth. Not in opposition of it. The other is a new attitude towards the gospel. Once he hated believers, now he seeks their connection or relationship. Once he hated the truth, now he lives by the truth. Once he hated the gospel, now he preaches the gospel. Once he was called Saul and then Jesus, God changed his name and then he was called Paul. Once he was a terrorist, now he's an evangelist. The same man, but a new man. Everything is different now, which is a new way and a new look. You see, you may think God has no plans for you. You may think that even God is potentially done with you. But, like, do you look at the story of Saul? He was a murderer. He was a terrorist. And God said to Ananias, I'm going to use him to bring a whole other level of perspective to the gospel. And you have to wonder in your own life, where are you on this journey? Have you been told the lies of the evil one? That you are not good enough. That you don't have what it takes. That because of your mess up or because of whatever happened or the situation that you are no longer qualified. Friends, church, community, we have to get this one right. When you walk into the doors of a church, the building will not burn down. In fact, Jesus is actually longing, as the parable says, he's waiting for that one that is lost or afar or is gone. And he's anticipating the arrival of coming to know who Jesus is. And, and I know it's, it's tough, but it's, it's surrender. It's saying, I, 
I can't do it my way anymore. I don't want to do it my way. I've seen what my way looks like. I've read the story over and over and over in people's lives that have pushed in opposition of Jesus, and it doesn't end well. You see, God gives you a new attitude. He gives you a new truth, and he gives you a new perspective. Those that hate you, watch this. He shows you how to love them. The truth you've been seeking, you now have access to. So notice what Jesus does with Paul. He gives him a new way of looking at life and at the world. And what what does he do? It's really symbolic of Luke, very creative, but it really happened. I do believe that. Jesus blinds him. He blinds him. He's blind. And Saul, the one going on mission to bring those people, followers of the way, back to Jerusalem on that 140-mile walk, he's going with the letter in his hand that you got to come back. Or you're going to jail. Let's go. And he goes with all authority and all power, thinking he knows it all. He has it all together. He's in control of his life. And then Jesus flips the switch and says, no, no, no. You're going to go do this. You're going to go do that. And you're going to be led. And it's this sign of I'm no longer in control. I've given it to Jesus. And so he blinds him. He cannot see. I don't know if that's ever happened to you where it's hard for you to see. Or like something's in your eye and it's just like, Lord, help me. Anything with eyesight is just, it's, it's a horrible thing that happens. And it's frustrating and then the, the light's even that much more bright and it's just, it's like agonizing. Well, Paul couldn't even see anything. He was blind. And very interesting that Jesus would do this because he closed his eyes to the old way of life. And then when his eyes were opened by a man named Ananias, the follower of the way, the same person, by the way, that Paul was going to go persecute or bring back to Jerusalem. Ananias is like, uh, are you sure you want me to go do that? Like this man just killed Stephen. He's going to throw me in jail, Jesus. And you want me to go and pray for him? Is that not a life of surrender? Yeah, go and pray for him, Ananias. The light was so blinding that it took away Paul's eyesight for three days. And then Ananias prayed over him. This time a new way of life, a new view, and a new look. I wonder for us in the room, how many of us need new eyesight? I wonder that. I often wonder that for my own life. I'm constantly asking for God to give me new eyes. Not just physical, right? That's impossible but a new spiritual eyesight so that I can see those that are hurting and broken so that I can encourage those, so that I can see those that are, are in bondage or, 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 or overtaken by the evil one that need a loving reassurance. I ask God often to give me new eyes for young women, daughters that don't have relationship with fathers that I'm learning is like really important, by the way, dads, to love your daughters well. It's like, Lord, help me. Like, it's so important that God gives us new eyesight. And it comes in the form of surrender because it's like, God, I want you to do it. I want you to lead me. I want you to show me. I don't want, like, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. It's whatever you want to do in my life. It's this submission. It's this, God, it's your will. It's not mine. You see, you need to know today that God is, is he's not done with you and he wants to give you new eyesight. And by the way, he's actually just getting started. For those that have been following Jesus for years and you feel like you're just at a dull level of eyesight, it's just like you've gotten back to just seeing black and white. God wants to give you a renewed eyesight so that you can see color again. 
you can see others the way that he sees them again. You can be renewed in your calling and your mission and the assignment that he's placed over your life. Whether it's just being a good mother or having and stepping into a career to make a difference for those that are low and those that are in need. Whatever it is, Jesus wants to renew you. And whether you're on the spectrum of following Jesus for 10 years or 15 or, or more longer than I've been alive, wherever you're at or you have, are just kind of curious about this whole Jesus thing. He wants to give you a new eyesight because he's just getting started with you. And then there was this interesting exchange that took place, right? Paul had to surrender. He gave up what he wanted to do. How about you? Have you got to this point in your follow, following of Jesus where you were like, you know what? I don't really want to do it my way anymore. He gave up doing it his way. How about you? Once he fully surrendered, he was led by someone else. That is really interesting language to being honestly a true follower of Jesus. That we would be led by the way of Jesus. And that's not always like sexy, if I'm being honest. That's not always appealing. That's not always fun. That's actually sometimes route towards pain. Going to, like, I don't want to go through the storm. Jesus, you're crazy. I don't want to go through this wall. I want to go around this wall, this wall that maybe it's been a divorce for you. Maybe it's been, you've lost a child or, or a family member, or you have been crippled by your past, and now the trauma has risen up to your prefrontal cortex. Whatever it is, wherever trauma, whatever event that's happened, Jesus will invite you not around it. He'll invite you through it. And you have to be willing to surrender that to him so that he can give you a new way of living. So let me encourage you as, as our, our, our worship team acoustic and, and, and Kato comes up, let me encourage you and shower you with an invitation of a new way and a new look. Here it is. Just a couple of verses. As you walk out of here, these are verses that I constantly will, will recollect to my heart and soul. I don't have time to go through the context, though there is massive context in this. But here are the verses. The first is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. So you got to ask yourself, am I in Christ? Have I followed the way? Have I surrendered my heart? If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. If anyone is in Christ, he wants to make you new. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. When you put your hope and all of your life in the Lord, he will give you new strength. They, you, will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Romans 8, 31 says, what then shall we say in response to these things? The goodness of God. If God is for us, who could possibly be against us? Philippians 3, 13 says, brothers and sisters, church, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. That is like perfection. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Did you catch that? It's really important in following Jesus. He wants you to let go of the past. How could Saul possibly move forward if he didn't let go of, of the, the crying voice and the blood on his hands of Stephen? And there were times where he had to recollect that. I mean, God doesn't throw away your emotions. Have you noticed that? He doesn't just get rid of your memories. They're there for a reason and a purpose. 
Very interesting, right? That's why I'm going to ask Jesus when I see him, when I get to heaven. Why, why didn't you just like wipe some of the memories out? Because there's people in our church and families that have just been really hurt and broken. Why didn't you just jot that out? If anything, sometimes those memories emerged. And so he says, forget what is behind string forwards. Go forward towards what is ahead. And then Paul says, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus. Isaiah 43 says to the Israelites that were in captivity, he says, forget the former things. There it is again. All over the Old Testament in the gospel, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Do you have the eyes to see what I'm doing? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Coin Church, may we forget the former things. Give it to Jesus. Surrender that to him. Maybe if there's anything he's asking you to surrender, it's of your past. That one thing you keep saying, I'm not, I can't step in and do, I, I'm not going to be a good dad. I, I, know what ha, I know what they did and so I can't move. No, you have to let go of the former things. Let the power of God, the spirit of God heal you from the past. And don't allow the past to take hold of your future. And then see with new eyes a new way. Will you pray with me as we close? Jesus, I pray for every person in this room. Maybe, God, they're, they're searching for you and they don't really know it. Maybe they're looking for new eyes and they're just not quite sure where to go. Amen. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would remind us of your goodness and your grace and your mercy over our past and present and future. Jesus, we want to be conformed in your image. Whatever you have to do, do it, Lord. I pray, Father, for those that are on the road, on a journey, that as they see storms and as they see lightning, as they don't know to look to the left or the right, that you would speak to them and say, I am here with you. I am going with you, and I will never leave you. Speak to that to your church, Jesus. Take care of your people, Father. Whatever we need to give to you, we give to you now. We love you so much, Father. In your name we pray. Amen.